You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. This is episode 228 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Hands On Gloves, the all-in-one revolutionary bathing grooming gloves. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network. Today, we have, Jen and I have, some highly effective people on. This is Debbie Laux, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thanks for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month, and I have my producer, Jen, with me today. Hi, Jen. Greetings! This is going to be a fun show today. I'm glad to have you back. I had George on, I think, the last time. And, uh, yeah, we missed you, but I knew you were out having fun. And this is, this is you know, going to be really fun because we, we got the big guns in here today. I'm, I'm really excited to hear from Monty the... Was it Horse Sense and Learn? No, it was... Um, oh, Monty Special Training. Monty Special Training. He's going to talk a little that. bit about the most recent Monty Special Training. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm really curious to hear about what he... talking Talk about the horses that went through it because... That's your favorite part. It's my favorite part. And I love to listen to him talk about the horses because the emotion comes through his voice so beautifully. Oh, I know. You know, know. The ones that are nudgy and the ones that were super, super relieved to find someone they could trust. And you could hear that in his voice. That's my favorite part. Yeah, it's true. You know, he said something today. I've never heard him. I was going to tell him this after the interview. I, I want to go ask him about it, but it was kind of cool. This is how horsey Monty is. Okay. How horsey is he? He's so horsey that he said, you know, when you look that horse in the eye, and I thought that was so interesting because when we talk about people, we say, look them in the eyes, uh-huh. plural, right? But when you look at a horse, you can't really look at their eyes in true. a plural sense. Good point. Right? And he That's just, a very interesting point. He just lives it, you guys. He just lives it. He is more horse than human. We joke about it a lot, but I'm telling you, I live with the guy. <laughs> we do. We all live in on the same farm. And um, he never ceases to amaze me about how um, in tune he gets with each one of these horses. And he's absolutely right. In this interview, you'll hear it. We, we just recorded it. So we're coming back and listening to it fresh here now. But you'll hear how much diversity is in each horse, but how much he can drill down on each horse and get to know them so well. And we're talking in, in a matter of 10 minutes, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, and of course of a join up is, is five minutes, really a good join up takes him only four or five minutes, even f- with the, you know, we, we do an orientation first and then he goes into the, to the actual movement of a join up. And if you don't know what that is, you should go to MontyRobertsUniversity.com and, and look and feel what join up is because he will talk about it in this interview. Yes, it's really cool. And again, like you said, zip on over to MontyRoberts.com and take in some of the videos over there if you're not familiar with the process. And really um, turn your earbuds up and try to find a place where you can focus on what he's saying when you listen to this interview because the emotion is my absolute favorite part. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, we're going to chat a little bit with Sean highly effective person yeah. and it's fascinating ah. how he's been able to combine Monty's methods which have been shown to sh- help people with emotional difficulties so much and how he's combined that with his um, effective habits it's yeah. it's neat how they they go together so let's get it started right after we hear from hands on gloves our title sponsor hi i'm monty roberts And am I excited to bring you the news of a revolutionary, new, all-in-one, shedding, bathing, grooming tool. Hands-on gloves. They are fantastic. And you believe me, I've tried them all. Hands-on outperforms traditional curry combs, shedding blades, metal bristles, and all those things. Most animals will gravitate to you for more grooming and petting time. If you wear them, your animals will love you more for it. While using the hands-on gloves, you can easily handle water hoses, shampoo bottles, lead ropes, leashes, and anything you want with them on your hands. They are easy to clean, and they massage muscles and stimulate circulation while helping to distribute natural oils 
for a healthy skin and coat. Hands-on is changing the way we bathe, deshed, and groom our animals forever. Hands-on gloves. They are fantastic. Monty Roberts first gained widespread fame with the release of his New York Times bestselling book, The Man Who Listens to Horses, a chronicle of his life and development of his nonviolent horse training methods called Join Up. Monty grew up on a working horse farm as a first-hand witness to traditional, often violent methods of horse training and breaking the spirit with an abusive hand. Rejecting that, he went on to win 11 World's Championships in the show ring. Well, welcome back, Dad. I was excited to have you. Monty Roberts on the line to talk a little bit about last week's work. I thought people would be really interested in your perspective. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. And um, I just have to tell you that at 88 Mm. years uh, come May, um, it's a whole new life for me. Um, I guess it's fair to say that the excitement of sending my messages onward and helping others understand the value of nonviolent training Mm -hmm. is is very, very gratifying. Mm -hmm. And um, it's fun to do, uh, particularly when the horses (laughs) follow the the lead that you give them. Mm -hmm. But they do. And... um, I knew they did before going into it, but there's always in the heart of a horseman, there's always the worry that it's going to go the wrong way and you're going to have a a glitch on your hands. And, and you know, I have failed to really get what I want from eight head of horses from about 70,000 or a little more than 70,000 now, because I think we did a thing a couple of years ago that was 70,000 or maybe five years ago Mm -hmm. that was 70,000. Yeah, we counted them. Uh Yeah, you know, a lot of it's estimated, but uh, it's pretty pretty darn close, I think, to 70,000. And there's eight of them that I said, forget it. I, I can't get it. Uh, horses that came to me with serious backward problems, almost all of the eight, well, I guess I can fairly say all of the eight, had been destroyed by human beings. Mm-hmm. And then I couldn't turn it around. Uh, and they were dangerous. They were dangerous to themselves as mm-hmm. well as to the people around them. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, we we can only push the flight animal so far before they give up on humans. They're pretty generous, though. Well, if only eight of them right. failed to make the grade, um, that that's a pretty high percentage, huh? Yeah, it's a pretty high percentage. And the fact that you remember that there's eight uh, tells me a lot about failure for you, um, not only that you don't have a lot, but also you, that you learn from it, too. And I think that must be – you're very patient with us because – not everybody can claim to have oh, 86 years or so of uh, experience. Oh, let's let's make it 85 or so. 85 yeah. years of experience in the horse industry. It just not yeah. a lot of people can match that. So to be fair, people shouldn't be too hard on themselves. But you're very patient with us to watch the same mistakes being made over and over again with students. But I know that people sincerely hope to piggyback on everything you're you are learning uh, from horses. And that's why I thought it'd be kind of special since it was a pretty special, Monty special training. Last week, we had a really great team of people and everybody was so um, interested in the horses and the horses were so interesting that I thought it'd be kind of fun to just pick your brain and walk you through last week with some of these horses. And you give us a little synopsis of what surprised you, what interested you, what, um, what you learned perhaps from some of these horses or what maybe you, you observed in students learning from those particular horses. Cause you did allow a, a students to get in there. Um, mostly it was our interns or advanced students, but in the round pen and do some of the work 
And uh, it was fun to have Barrett out. This is the young man who works with Jamie Jennings, uh, your instructor, a very great instructor in Oklahoma. And she has taken on a young man named Barrett Jessen for the last couple of years, a.k.a. Farm Boy, on her show, Horses in the Morning, when she talks about Barrett's talents and abilities. He's come a long way, and we were fortunate to have him out for a week to ride for you, too. Yeah, that was fun. And then you had some uh, young ladies, that mm-hmm. one that rode for me and others that handled horses. And, mm-hmm. of course, Jonathan is on our team here, and uh, James... Courier yep. is on our team here, and uh, th- there was a, a nice group. But stop and think for a minute. Um, here comes Debbie, and Debbie says, you're going to have a Monty special training. <laughs> and, uh, okay, yeah, and it's it's going to start in three days. And uh, here's what we have. We have a, a thoroughbred mare that people were playing polo with, and she's so crazy that they they just gave her to me because they they went on to another place to play polo. Yeah. And they didn't want to take her. Uh, and they said, she's absolutely crazy and there's no chance to get her right. So I, I have to think about that one. And then here comes another one you can't clip. Uh, you turn clippers on and he goes up the walls. Yeah. And here comes one that's 12 hands and uh, <laughs> never has had a saddle on, never yeah, ridden. maple. Uh-huh. little maple and uh and and you stop and you think ooh am i going to run into something here i mean i'm approaching 88 years am i going to run into one that i just say i'm really sorry but i can't do this and then you start reading them and talking to them in your mind and um they start coming back to you and i'm going to I, I think this conversation can be held by people who would understand that it's when you get to this point, you realize that horses can speak English. <laughs> right. It's just that you have to understand English. It's got an accent. And sometimes they're trying really hard to tell you something and human beings just don't tend to listen. Mm. And, and I, I, to start a story like this, I have to tell one of the eight that I've had that I turned back and said no more. That filly was in Newmarket, England. Mm. And um, she went in the starting gate and then she would try to kill herself in the starting gate. And this trainer had a daughter about 16 years old that wanted to be a jockey. Mm. So he had the daughter on this horse and she had been in the hospital twice before I got there with um, injuries that she had when the horse went crazy in the, in the uh, starting gate. And uh, so I stopped and looked at this family and I said, tell me about this horse. How did she get this bad? And I'm watching horrible activity. How did she get this bad? And it's, I don't know if she goes in and we get her closed in, we, we put ear uh, twitches on her. And we get her in there and then she'll drop down and crawl under the gate in front and break the gate open. And she kicks the back out of the thing and so forth and so on. And so I start fooling around with her there. And uh, she squarely looked at me and spoke in perfect English with an Mm -hmm. English accent. (laughs) Um, And she said, these people are crazy. I don't want to do anything for them. I'll kill myself before I do anything for them. And I start looking at her and going around her, and I was trying to get her to relax and walk up to the starting gate. She wouldn't go anywhere near it. And I looked, and she had huge scars down the back of her legs, her hind legs. And I said, what in the world happened here? Is this from kicking the back out of the thing? No, he said, the trainer said, that'd be me. And I said, what do you mean? That'd be you. Well, he said, she wouldn't go. So we tied her to the front of the gate with ropes coming through from left and right. And then I got behind her with my Range Rover. And I 
I pushed her into the starting gate with my Range Rover, and she kicked the front end out of it and uh, and scarred up her hind legs. Hmm. And um, the daughter was in the hospital at the time. The daughter later became a very, very good jockey. But can you imagine coming through that with this no. attitude? And uh, I couldn't, I couldn't do the mare. So then we go to this weekend where any one of these, you know, could, if you made mistakes, uh, be very difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, I think each one had a different story to tell. Bonita, that was the polo mare. She probably yeah. was super sensitive and and great. I mean, she was very athletic, and and um, I think you were pleased the way she traveled in the round pen, the way she traveled over the ground. And so there was really no reason for her to be anything but a great part of the string of polo, polo fillies. Uh, but something, something threw her away at the end. And, you know, people say, oh, Monty, they don't do that anymore. People don't allow that. They, they, maybe they do it in hiding, but they can't do it in the public. People, people don't, wouldn't put up with that stuff anymore. Is that true? Yeah, it's true. And uh, this mare had been beaten half to death. She was so afraid of people; it was unbelievable. But do you think? And it took. Do you think people still me, do that publicly, openly, or is that something? No, that, no, no, no. This okay. is teams that they bring from Argentina. Mm. Teams of what they call breakers, mm. and. Uh, um, I couldn't get nearer in the round pen and it normally takes me about four minutes to do join up with the horse. Mm-hmm. And I'm in there for 30 or 40 minutes and she's just trembling all over and won't let me get near her. And I don't need to be told she's telling me in English, mm-hmm. uh, they beat me up and you have two legs and eyes on the front of your head and you're going to beat me up too. Sure. And, uh, yeah. so anyway, she was, horrible and when she decided to join up she was locked on like love indeed it was incredible and when she was locked on and i could walk away and she could follow me she started to settle and i think she clearly said wow is some human beings can be okay and I think the lady that owns her will will get along with her now and will will be fine. I think the lady is very aware of what happened to her before. And this team of breakers just said, you keep her. We, we never want to see her again. And they drove out with their load of horses. Yeah, because they're expendable. But the, that's what they say. They've got enough of them. But yeah, so not just to pick on polo. So we've picked on thoroughbreds and polo now at this point starting it. But but I think it happens in every discipline with a, a percentage of people that are, you know, don't treat the animals as if they're sentient beings, but they treat them as if they're, I don't know, a sport, well, I suppose. But it's, it's fair to also say to people that don't realize this particular story that um, Adolfo Cambiasso is the number one polo player in the world, and he brought eight of his breakers here put 20 horses in my field and they have changed the face of polo completely. And those breakers from Argentina, no longer the ones that know about it, no longer use those same techniques. This particular mare didn't happen to be with one of our side of this situation. Yeah. The good part of that is at the highest level, you've been able to affect the, the decent trainer at the highest level. And isn't that better? Let that trickle down happen if trainers will start sharing more of their concepts. And I think they do. I think media has has improved isn't that. It, isn't it amazing, Debbie, that I took um, Ron Rawls on at 38 years of age, and he's the only person to win the world's greatest horsemanship contest, which is mm-hmm. held for, with Western horses and uh, yeah. cutting horses and ring cow horses. Um, in Fort Worth, Texas, they have to rope on them and everything. And he won it three times, uh, the world's championship three times. And, uh, recently, just a couple of months ago, his son, Philip Rawls, born and raised on this property, mm-hmm. won it 
the first father and son team to ever win the world's greatest yeah. competition. So cool. It's it's really gratifying. Yeah, we'll have to have Ron on to or um Philip on to uh Philip, yeah. Brag on him. Yeah. yeah. Philip, Philip yeah. Rolls. He's living in Paso Robles now. Yep. Yep. Big big time for California too. So um another another I guess fun little segue we had is we had some brand new little Gruya Mustangs that came in from a sanctuary and up from a band of I think it's in the Choctaw Indian area, but they were they were brought in to preserve this particular breed because they're unusual color and uh, they're tiny little things, but they're pretty sweet. But boy, they were prepared to preserve their lives. <laughs> let's say wild times ten. Wow, they were oh, really wild. Man. But it, it was good for people to see how wild. I, I I don't think people understand the power of the survival mechanisms inside of a Mustang. I know we talk about it a lot, but if people ever get to get out to gentling wild horse courses, I, you, I'm, I'm finding a trend, Dad. A lot of people are trying to choose between do they want to go through the introductory course of horsemanship here first, the first in a certification you know, series, or do they want to go through gentling? And more and more people are choosing the gentling, which is I, I don't even think they know how wise that is because right. because you get to get in there safely with these wild horses because of your facility. The facility is so safe that you can you can actually touch wild horses in a safe environment. And I can't even explain. I don't even want to explain how that works because people should come see what that looks like. But we got to play with a couple of, they're probably sisters. They're the same year born. They look very much alike. They probably had one stallion. What'd you think of them? Oh, they were so wild. It was unbelievable. Um, they were a good lesson to people on, as you said, how wild horses can be. And remember that they believe they're going to die anytime if they don't take charge. And, uh, yeah, my facility is safe for students like that, but I'm not so sure that it isn't better for them to go through the introductory course first and kind of get an idea so it I isn't suppose. such a shock, <laughs> because I think those people were sitting there with the pulse rate of 120 uh, <laughs> as these as these babies decided that they were going to try to tear down my whole pen and everything you know and they were just Pretty little small. guys they couldn't do it but yeah. they could sure hurt a person you know oh yeah and yeah. um yeah and so um that was good but uh it was scary <laughs> yeah 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 and, but and we when had you say another that, little one debbie we did well maple talk about yeah. maple what a sweet so she's a rescue out of a kill pen at four or five months, pretty young, that uh, this mother and daughter team brought them from the desert. They live out in the Hesperia area, and they trailered her here and fed her and cleaned her stall all week. Just, you know, she's just um, a pet for them, love them, but they didn't know what to do next. And they've just worked for a couple of years now <laughs> to gentle this little filly and she hadn't gotten very far, but she could lead and she was kind. But tell us what you found in her. Well, I found a wild little horse that they had gentled, uh, as Debbie suggested, very uh, efficiently. And she, she would lead and stuff, but she was typically a wild horse. And if you made the wrong move, she would take charge and get away, flight animal. And uh, so I took her in the round pin and I did this join up thinking, oh, four, five, six minutes, I can get her joined up. Well, bingity, bingity, bing, in two to three minutes, she was saying, I like this. Let's let's come together here. And in about four minutes, she was walking with me and I was walking around the round pin with her locked on to me and I could rub her between the eyes and everything. And, um, so join while up was nobody a... was while they were asking questions and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I was standing beside her, mm -hmm. and she looked over at me and she said in English, <laughs> "Don't be afraid of me. I'm not going to hurt anybody. And you just go ahead and do whatever you want. I trust you." Mm -hmm. And I put a saddle on her. I put a snaffle bit in her mouth, mm 
I put her on long lines and she just said, whatever you say will be fine. I put a rider on her. Mm -hmm. There was no bucking. There was a little spurt of energy. She was frightened of this girl, which was about five foot two, but to her, that was a big thing stuck up above her back and she was going to get rid of it somehow. So she ran for about 20 feet. Yeah. <laughs> then she stopped and just walked around. And for the next two or three days, I mean, it was unbelievable. Uh, I don't think I've ever had a horse come so quickly with no damage or uh, intention to damage mm -hmm. anybody or any piece of equipment or anything. She was just wonderful. So she made the balance point of Monty's special training uh, from zero to hero just unbelievably because we had the trembling mare, we had the wild horses, and we had her way at the other end of all of this. While we had a horse that you couldn't clip when you turned on a toothbrush. Oh my gosh, he would Electric climb toothbrush. up the walls. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, if someone, oh, I think that we should have had 200 people up above there watching all of yeah. this, because if yeah. we could send more people out there to realize the value of nonviolent training, then my life is worthwhile. If, yeah. if I just, if I just have two, three, four here and six there, uh, you know, it, when I'm gone, uh, a lot of this will cave in, but it's absolutely true that the rain cow horse association has changed so dramatically that while I won 11 world championships, I'm not sure that any of my work would have been done with scores like they have today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, when Philip Rawls won this world's greatest thing, every score that he got, and it's a system that we use with 70 to 60 to 80, um, but there's three judges. And so every score that he got was in the 200 and, oh, I don't know, 205, 207. It's unbelievable. Um, I think that Johnny Tivio won four world championships for me and Fiddle Dior won two world championships for me, six world championships right there. And I don't think that the best run either of them made would place today because of the changes that have been made. And they've moved on to use nonviolent training to the extent that these horses are just unbelievable. They can run 40 miles an hour, slide to a stop, get ready to spin, and then just stand there and relax and lick and chew for 30 seconds if you want them to, and then spin like a top and go 40 miles an hour to the other end of the arena. I, I couldn't do that in those days. I, I know I was using nonviolent methods, but they've just taken that and improved it to the extent that uh, today... Um, Zane Davis, uh, Philip Rawls, Ron Rawls, and a, a young lady, how do you call her, Debbie? Um, Sarah Dawson. Sarah Dawson is the daughter of um, a wonderful man that trained people here uh, in Richard the Ventura Winters. area. Richard mm -hmm. Winters, yeah, mm -hmm. in the area of, of Ventura area of California, and came and did... Uh, videos with me and took up nonviolent training and taught his daughter. And then here's one for you. The daughter gets really good and dates a guy that loves to ride working cow horses. So they have something in common, the two of them. They're married and have children now. And Sarah Dawson is one of the top two of the greatest Western riders today. Right. And her husband, whom she taught after they were married, is about fifth now. So uh, I don't know, know if he would uh, cop to that, that she taught him, but I'm sure, I'm sure she influenced him. Yeah. Well, he has to be looking, saying, How can I 
Yeah, I'm watching her training. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's so wonderful, and they, they, you know, they deserve the greatest amount of credit you could possibly give them. But um, all of the horses, every judge is now saying, "I score the highest when the horse looks like he's enjoying what he's and doing." What you just said was hugely important. Is the judges, and we've said it here before on this show. But the judges are the ones that are in the driver's seat for rewarding yep. those that are going yep. in a direction that they want to take the discipline. Because everybody knows that if the judges point in a direction and that's where the money goes or that's where the ribbons go, that's where people are going to go in competition, badly or well, for the breed, for the discipline, whatever it is. So I guess the key, two keys that you said to me is going back to the Maple story, is I don't think anything happened between you and Maple until join-up happened. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Maple That's a came powerful, in. Yeah. A fresh, young, normal horse. And when join-up happened, you could hear her say, oh, this is better. I like this. And then she just cooperated with everything that we did. And it was a, a loving experience. I have That's to tell that you. trust building thing. Trust building thing that I, people just have to study the language of Equus to understand completely. It's not just a set of circumstances. It is a conversation. And that's where we need to get to in the next, next generation. And when you said, when you said, gosh, I, you know, I hope I'm being effective in front of a handful of people. Well, this is where, because you're not on social media pushing the buttons, you, you share with us things that you want us to put on Facebook and other things. But you're not the one that's surfing the net all the time. <laughs> Promise. Uh, I know you don't turn computers off or on. But the media now we'll see because people have access to your online university, Equus Online University or MontyRobertsUniversity.com, thousands and thousands of people a week see those lessons. So you don't see them, but they're out there and they're changing horses. And, you know, I just got a text this morning from Sarah Near. We've had Sarah Near on this show before and people might know her from her New York Times bestseller called Horse Crazy. It's a book she wrote about horses in her life and a lot of different things. But there is a whole chapter called Benediction that was reprinted in the New York Times. And my point is that I was thinking of her this morning. She had brought you a little gift of this little wooden horse that we keep in the kitchen. And I took a little photo of it and I sent it to her, not knowing what she was doing today. And she quickly texted back. She said, I'm on safari in South Africa right now. And it's amazing. Everybody knows Monty that I meet, and they know him by one name, just Monty, you know, like Madonna and Cher, <laughs> 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 which, okay. which is so cute. I'm sure Sarah was very excited about that, too. But it's cute because I don't know that you know how pervasive you are, but here's the trick. They might know you and they might know you to be a kind and gentle to horses, but do they really know the depth of your concepts? And that's what I hope people will really get to know and study deeply so that they own it too. Yeah, that's for sure. And that's why I'm working so hard. And um, there is a God in heaven and, and uh, that guide up there is is keeping me here for a reason. I don't have any relatives that got this old. Um, but I'm being kept around, and I'm more still more useful than um, than it would be if they put me in a box right away. So right. I'm, I'm really trying, and I have some serious uh, health problems, but and it won't be long, but um, that's okay. Uh, I got... 88 of them behind me, and uh, yeah, that's right. I, I just want to keep hurrying and get as much as I can get done, because when I look those horses in an eye, I, 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 they need me. They really need me, and the world needs uh, to get better. And wouldn't it be nice if Join Up would move over into the human world and we would mm -hmm. start to recognize people in a more um, uh, com 
you know, compassionate way than mm -hmm. what we're doing politically right now right. in the world. Uh, you know, China's going to do this and Russia's going to do that and we're going to do this to mm -hmm. keep them from doing that. And we're, we're arguing and fighting even in our own uh, population uh, against one another for the silliest reasons and compromise is the greatest word we could ever have. And if they would sit down and say, let's meet in the middle somewhere and figure out what's best for everybody, that's what you have to do with horses. And the horses could teach us so much. God is trying to teach us, but it, we're not easy. Yeah. The world needs join up. The world needs join up. Do you know the first guy to do it, uh, to show it to the people, I didn't do that first. There was a guy going around, I can't think of his name now, but he called it Hook On. Mm -hmm. And and he just came across this. He didn't know about how I do join up, but he his work was such that horses would hook on to him. Mm -hmm. And then he would walk away and they would follow him. And he didn't know why. And he died early and, and didn't get to pass it on that much. But at the same time, he would rope them and tie them down and all that kind right. of stuff, not knowing that the hook-on thing was the most important thing that he did. <laughs> well, a lot of people uh, don't know it in depth, and they think it's a lot of, uh, you know, unnecessary gestures with horses. But yeah. once they do it, I tell you, they, they fall to their knees or they become emotionally involved in horses. And this is a good thing. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. I've kept you a long time. I appreciate your time today. And I thought it was really fascinating about uh, all the horses all right. you work with. We will see I, how uh, they, they go on. I have after. some important things to do this afternoon, too. Okay. All right. We'll get you out the door. Thanks, Dad. Hi, Debbie. I just had to write and tell you how much I'm enjoying Monty's podcast on Horsemanship Radio. You and Monty and your podcast guests are my company every evening while I'm feeding, cleaning, and finishing up barn chores for the day. I especially enjoyed the recent podcast 158 because so many of the guys that Monty talked about, and especially Greg Ward, were heroes of mine when I was growing up. It was really fun to be a fly on the wall listening to Monty recount all those stories. And I also enjoyed his discussion with Tanya Johnston about the deer and Thigmotaxis. Thanks for all the great information you and your dad are spreading throughout the world. And thanks for making the time doing my barn chores, no chore at all. All the best, Nan Meek. Sean Covey is the son of Stephen Covey, author of The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Sean is a New York Times bestselling author as well and has written several books, including The Seven Habits of Happy Kids and The Seven Habits of Highly Effective Teens. The family runs a 501c3 charity called Bridal Up Hope, based in Utah. They teach equine-assisted learning lessons to girls and women who are battling mental health challenges using Monty's methods in their program. Well, welcome, Sean Covey of the coveted Covey family. I'm so excited to have you on and excited to meet you personally now by virtually. But I got to meet your daughter, Victoria, uh, through horses. She's interested in coming and visiting here. And I'm just honored to hear all the things you're doing. And I, and I wasn't aware, and it's my ignorance, but um, I'm excited to have you on. Thank you so much, Debbie. Um, we've, we know a lot about you and what you guys do and, um, are, I'm thrilled to be able to talk with you for a few minutes today. I'm honored. You're a busy guy, uh, and you've accomplished a lot already and I don't want to stop you from accomplishing more. So we'll, we'll <laughs> sure. get, we'll get all the salient points in here because people need to know what you're, what you're doing out there and how you're extending the legacy. If I, if I might coin it mm -hmm. a little bit, do you believe that that is something you can do with your family? Yes. Yeah. Well, my, you know, my father is Stephen R. Covey and he mm -hmm. wrote the book, the seven habits of highly effective people. A lot of people know that book and have read that book. And it's, um, you know, it's, it's uh, been very influential across the whole world. And then he started a company. He was, a, he was always a professor for many years. That was his, he loved teaching. And, but then he thought, you know, I want to take these ideas to the world. So he started a company called, um, Franklin Covey, 
it was Covey Leadership at first, then it just merged and became Frank and Covey. And, um, and so we teach leadership, basically. Um, and we do it through the seven habits and through other content. And we work with large organizations and schools and universities. And uh, we've also started working with little kids in uh, elementary schools and pre-K. And then we have, as we're talking about today, we've now applied it to equine. Yeah. To equine uh, learning and therapy and such. Yeah. Tell me about that leap. I mean, I, I'm, I read your bio to our listeners and they know that you've written the seven habits of happy kids and the seven habits of highly effective teens. This really hits homes with us. We had 47 foster kids go through the, wow. the house. Yeah. But it was over a long yeah. time. It was over a long period of time. But uh-huh. none, yeah. nonetheless, I feel like we're on we're going on parallel universes a little bit, which mm-hmm. is exciting. How did you get all the way to Bridal Up Hope, your nonprofit? Yeah, sure. Well, um, I'll tell you the short version of the long story, okay? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So growing up, I never liked horses that much because I always got bucked off. We'd go horse <laughs> riding like once a year. <laughs> okay. <laughs> My dad would always take us, oh, we got to go horseback riding the best. And it's like every time I would get bucked Aww. off and no one else would. And so I thought, this is this stinks, you know. <laughs> uh, but then I got married, and I had I had daughters, and uh, my daughters just fell in love with animals, and then horses. You know, started with cats and dogs, and squirrels and chipmunks and <laughs> chinchillas, and then it moved to a horse. And so um, my oldest two daughters were just really into horses, and they got into um, rodeo and these fifty-mile endurance races. And they just loved it. My oldest daughter, Rachel, especially, was just all into it. And then Victoria, my younger daughter that you spoke with yesterday. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and then, um, you know, Rachel always struggled with um, depression. As a parent, I didn't really know much about it, right? It was like, hey, you don't feel good today? Well, suck it up, right? And so my wife and I were trying to deal with some of her ups and downs and depression and anxiety. And, and then about 10 years ago, we lost her. And, you know, from the effects of depression and terrible accident. Um, And uh, during the week of the funeral, we were preparing for her funeral to celebrate her amazing life, even though it was short at 21 years. Um, We had people come up to us and say, your daughter changed my life. Um, And we just kept happening again and again. People came over to our house. And this one girl in particular came over and said, your daughter... um, just, I'm here today because of her. She saved my life. I said, you're kidding. Well, tell me what happened. She said, my parents went through a really bad divorce. I was, I was so hurt and I started just doing bad things. I was making all the wrong decisions. I was totally depressed and hated myself, hated my life, didn't, didn't want to live. And then Rachel took me in and she started taking me horseback riding every week. She'd take her horse, I'd take my, or she'd, she had two horses and she, I'd take the other one, go up in the mountains. And she said, being in nature and being on a horse, not having my cell phone with me and doing these hour or two hour long rides, just, it just got into me and it like changed me. And I just started seeing clearly about what I was doing. And I just, I turned on the switch and went a different direction. And now I'm in a really great spot. And I just want you to know your daughter did that for me. And so right then this idea was born. I thought, wow, that's amazing. Rachel would want to continue doing this. And so we started this foundation, called it Bridal Up Hope, with the idea of saying, um, we're going to help girls that are struggling build hope, confidence, and resilience through equestrian training yeah. and taking girls on horseback rides, right? So we we just said, okay, well, we're going to rent some horses from this guy that lives down the road. And we found five girls in our neighborhood that were really hurting. And one girl in particular, she wouldn't come out of her room because she'd been through so much trauma. And just one after another, we we discovered these girls were just uh, suffering so much. And so we'd put them, started giving them horseback riding lessons with a private instructor. And um, it just took off. I mean, it's just like there were 10 more girls that heard about it and wanted help. And then another 10. And then... And then I thought, well, geez, why don't we incorporate the seven habits into the lessons? Because mm. we can teach them these life skills. And so the idea of you know being proactive, you take initiative, beginning with the end in mind, 
um, the whole idea of everything's created twice, blueprint first, and then live it out. Uh, think win-win, right? Mutual benefit. I want you to win. I want to win too. We can both succeed together. These principles, you started just enveloping them into the horseback riding lesson, right? Just kind of seamlessly, like you're going on a ride and maybe it's the fourth lesson and then the instructor might pause for a minute and say, hey, did you feel that? For the first time, the horse felt you were in charge. Could you mm-hmm. feel the difference? What does that feel like to you? You can do the same thing in your life, right? That's called taking initiative. That's being proactive. Do you see the difference it makes? And do you see how the horse responds differently? And other people will respond differently also if you start acting that way. So that's how we'd incorporate the lessons, just kind of naturally and seamlessly, um, you know, the, the habits incorporated into the lessons. And so, and then we combine, and then we thought, well, we're going to have the girls help take care of the horses. So they love them more and are more appreciative. So we can added service to it where they come to a private lesson every week. And then they come another time to come and feed the horses, groom the horses, muck out of stall. If you want to clear your head, try mucking out of stall. <laughs> It'll do wonders. Yeah. And that's how it began. And so, um, and then we thought, well, God, we've been through 50 girls and then more were coming and there was so much need. Um, and so we, you know, we, we raised money and started this foundation and build a facility. And then um, we got requests to start it in other cities because people would come and have great experience. Um, but that's that's the kind of the shorter story oh, that's of how, how the whole thing began. How far back does this go, Sean? What, what years are we talking about then? I uh, started 10 years ago, mm-hmm. um, about 2012, 11 years Amazing. ago. And you have mm-hmm. nine Bridal Up locations now? Um, yeah, now we have nine locations and we've had well over a thousand women and young girls go through the program, and uh, it's remarkable. I didn't I didn't know much about horses, but my goodness, the power of a girl with a horse and the oh, ability. For, now, who knows this more, you know Rebecca, this, right? your wife, or you? I mean, you're a quarterback, right? You you played football yeah. you, at, at a high <laughs> level, by the way. But um, but is Rebecca the 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 intuit with horses? Did she know this intuitively? Um, well, we saw it with our daughters. You saw it first um, with your daughters. Okay. So Rebecca is a uh-huh. convert too then. Uh-huh. Rebecca's a convert too. Yeah. She was never into horses, but Victoria started the whole thing. And then she got Rachel into it. And I just saw the amazing impact it had on them. And then just watching it with the girls. I'm not a horse expert now, but Close just enough. watching you, the impact. Yeah. You know, yeah. for example, we had, we had one girl that wouldn't come out of her room. My parents said for months because she had been through like a date rape and she was devastated. Mm-hmm. And, and she, mom said, Hey, there's this program just down the road and it, it's about deals with horses. And she goes, well, I'll go come out of her room for that. Right. <laughs> so, so she comes and, um, gets her out of her room and she starts riding a horse and she starts learning the habits and starts feeding the horses. And in 12, 13 weeks, she's like a different person. It's amazing. Um, and now you're all the way it. in U- Ukraine. Yeah. You're helping girls and women in the yes. Ukraine. Yeah. Uh-huh. So we have um, a new location that's going to start up in Ukraine um, yeah. about next month. And that's a long story how that happened. But Connections um, started up there. And um, there's a, a place near the border. They have a they have stables and about you know, 10, 15 horses. Yeah. And they have been, um, they've just found that horse equine, equine assisted learning or mm-hmm. horse therapy mm-hmm. is so much more effective than anything else for the yeah. PTSD and the fear and trauma these mm-hmm. women have gone through. So we connected with them. They were like, oh my gosh, with the seven habits, we're big seven habits fans. <laughs> <laughs> we could combine the two and. Powerful. Yeah, so we're doing a big fundraiser for them right now. We're trying Good. to raise 100000 to get 1,000 girls to the program. That's awesome. The, the women, we, we go, we focus really, the focus is on young women, but we also do older women. We do all women. <laughs> but the, we have a program, especially for young women, 12 to 25. And um, it's 14 private lessons. Each lesson is scripted, um, incorporating the habits and uh it goes, you know, for four to six months for a person to complete the 14 lessons. Okay. 
and then they can continue to come back if they do additional service at the barn. And so we keep them. A lot of times the girls will come and they'll be with us for years, right? Because they continue to come back and feed the horses oh, and earn lessons, and that kind of thing. Your your website is bridleuphope.org. And, you know, where did Monty, I, Victoria's, when I first got on the phone with her, we were focused mm-hmm. on the movement and, and getting yeah. a couple of people from your staff here for our event in June, but she, she started telling me about you and I said, Oh my gosh, I've got to interview you about this, the way you're taking your family's direction is fabulous. But um, yeah, yeah, where did, where did Monty work into this? I can't remember that part of the story. Yeah, sure. Well, we, uh, when we first started again, we didn't know much about horses. My girls, you know, were into rodeo and endurance rides. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, as we started this, we uh, learned of Monty's work and we, the whole idea of the join up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, so he, so Monty is famous at Bridal of Hope <laughs> ah, <that's nice. laughs> because it's the, fa- it's the foundation of what we do with, with the join ups and oh, getting people to connect with the horse. And I, you know, I took my, um, my business team to do join ups the other day mm-hmm. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> and it was such an amazing experience. Yeah. Uh, for them, and we just talked about it, and all the all the parallels you can draw with that, and building relationships with people. Yeah. Yeah. If Dad was yeah. on this, I would love for you two to meet. But if he was on here, he would say one tip. We've been doing these horse sense and healing, horse sense and healing. Um, I would call them weekends. Um, some people call them uh-huh. courses or clinics, but yeah. I think they're just experiences, and and they're for veterans with post traumatic stress. And years mm-hmm. years ago, Dad worked with some veterans. The Korean War was when he was in the University of Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. He went to, and and they were coming back from Fort Ord, and and um, yeah. he started working with horses. And the guys that were coming back and having a lot of violence, it, it, domestic violence, you know, living in these little housing on campus, you know, it was tough. And he he pointed out to them that um, way back then there was post. PTSD. Um, it was just yeah. becoming a thing. And he said, you know, to these guys, it's not a disorder, you guys. That's weird. You didn't go into yeah. the service with a disorder. So how is it that you're coming? No, it's an injury. So we've since right. then, when we started the program, we called it from the get-go PTSI. Um, and it seems to really lighten up their load a bit to think that an injury can heal you know, yeah. but a disorder tends not to. So if, um, you know, if that language is ever used, you might use that one. That one's free right there. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I love it. I'm going to borrow that if you don't mind. PTSI. Yeah, no, it's yours. <laughs> post-traumatic. Stress syndrome. injury, PTSI. Yeah, PTSI. Yeah, PTSI. I love it. Stress, yeah. stress injury. Uh-huh. Yeah, because these are service-oriented people, yeah. and I and these girls don't want to be labeled. You know, some I'm I'm preaching to you here. I'm sorry, but you, you know, I just I love what you're doing, and I think your hearts are just as big as all outdoors. Yeah. And there's nothing like a horse to to heal. It's a, it's amazing, and you read the science behind it and what it does. We feel like Bridle Up Hope is an idea whose time has come. We didn't plan this. It was serendipitous, and we think, you know, heaven-led. Mm-hmm. And we're about trying to take this to the whole world. We want to get a 1,000 locations. We want to just oh um, impact thousands of girls all over and say, you know what? You're okay. Mm-hmm. This, this horse will help you, and these habits will help you. And you have so much worth and potential. And don't let the world beat you down because you can, you can make it and you can do it. And the horse is the catalyst. And so our vision is someday to have, you know, a bridal up hope in every every city and where, um, you know, the pink horseshoe, which is our symbol, our mo- our logo, is like the pink ribbon, right? The pink ribbon yeah, started with two women who lost someone from cancer and ran a marathon in New York. And from that, you have a global movement bringing help to women around the world. And we hope that the pink horseshoe could be something similar that you go to a rodeo and you see a big, a big pink horseshoe that says hope. Mm. And this is to help these young women to find their worth and potential, which they all have. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're, if people want to learn more, it's bridaluphope.org and we're all, we're looking for new locations. Um, okay. people are interested, they can sign up there and 
Thank you so much, John, for sharing what you're doing and also what you want to do. And I think that's the important thing about hope. Thank you. Whisper the language of the herd. Listen, you don't have to say a word. It's time for Jamie Jennings to fetch an email from Monty Roberts' inbox and share a morsel of Monty's wisdom in a little segment we like to call Ask Monty. Leave this world a better place than mine. The magic in the language of Dear Monty, I was just wondering if you have to use an enclosed area for join-up as I live on a Scottish island and it is hard to get access to one. Would a small field do? Monty's answer. The book Shy Boy, The Horse Who Came In From The Wild and the documentaries made about Shy Boy depict how I did join up with him with virtually no enclosure whatever. The fact is that it was nearly 12 miles to the nearest fence when I was causing him to join up with me. I suppose it is a possibility that your Scottish island is even smaller than the 42,000 acres where I worked with Shy Boy. Every time you approach your horse in a field, the stable, or the round pen, you are communicating in the language equus. The way you hold your body, the placement of your eyes, and the movement of your hands all tell the horse your thoughts and intentions. It is important to remember that communication with your horse is a continuous process. As long as you have a safe environment, join up is possible. If you have a large field in which to do join up, you may need to walk a little bit further than if you were in a round pin, but you will be amazed to see the horse begin to move in circles and arcs around you as it communicates. However, please do not lose sight of the fact that a safe round enclosure approximately 15 feet 16 meters in diameter with good footing is the optimum environment into which to do join up. I answer this question all over the world and I understand the fact that people want to know if they can do the work without a round pin. The answer is yes, but a major part of the answer is that an appropriate round pin is the best way to go. Many horse people further inquire as to what the recommended design is for the optimum round pin, so I will give a brief outline of what I consider to be the best design in part two. For more of these insights into good horsemanship, go to MontyRoberts.com and click on the words Ask Monty at the bottom of the page. Where in the world is Monty Roberts? Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged. In May of 2023, the 1st through the 13th is our introductory course of horsemanship. Now, we can break that down into modules. If you can't take that much time off, then the 1st through the 3rd of May is the introductory course module one. That's the first steps to Monty's methods. Then the 4th through the 6th is the introductory course module two, which is join up. And that's the classic thing that those interviews were talking about. And then May 8 through 10 is the introductory course module three, which is long lining. And then, of course, if you're wanting to get into the preparation for intro exams, the 11th through the 13th. We'll polish that off for you. On May 19th, we have Horsemanship 101, which is a lot of fun. And then on May 20, we have our Mountain Trail Play Day out on our Mark Bolander Obstacle Course, our Mountain Trail Course. And then in June, we have June 5 through 9, Gentling Wild Horses. That's five days. And June 10, we have our Mountain Trail Play Day again. And then June 16 through 18, we have The Movement, which is our sixth annual this year. And we have so much fun. You have to go to MontyRoberts.com and look under special events to see, but be be pretty quick about this because we we it's are going to re- sell out, people. Let's it, just be blunt. Yeah, there's only there's only fifty tickets, you guys, and we've been promoting this pretty heavy on HRN, so go there. July eighth, we have a Mountain Trail Play Day. July ten through fourteen, we have a Monty Special Training, and July fifteen, we have a Horsemanship One Hundred One, and we'll polish off this calendar with. July 31 through August 4 is our Gentling Wild Horses course. Five days. Dun, dun, dun. You can find all of that and more, like you, like Debbie said, at MontyRoberts.com. You can also speak to a real, live, helpful human being at Flag is Up Farms, also known as the California Horse Center. Yeah. Call 805-688-6288, and you'll speak to a helpful person. And for more, more information about today's show, you can go to can you can you still go to horsemanshipradio.com? Yeah, you yeah. can. 
Okay, I'm going to do that. Uh, you can go to horsemanshipradio.com, find links, photos, and more information about today's guests and topics. As always, we love your feedback. A great place to do that is on social media. Monty Roberts on Facebook, the one with the little blue check mark. Twitter and Instagram, it's Monty underscore Roberts. And many thanks to today's sponsors, and they are... They are MontyRobertsUniversity.com and, of course, HandsOnGloves.com. Jay Michelson, thank you so much for your title sponsorship. Be sure to visit all the other great shows on the Horse Radio Network at www.HorseRadioNetwork.com. Until next time, have many happy horse hours. (laughs) 